Welcome to day 124 of Shaped by the Word. It's been a fun season as we've read together. Uh, We've started with the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, and we're now in Paul's letters. And we're in one of the most interesting and intriguing letters that, you know, that Paul has written his first letter to the Corinthians. Obviously, a church that started out well is experiencing many problems, whether it's factions, uh, you know, with popular teachers or whether it's sexual immorality creeping into the church in the name of freedom in Christ, uh, whether it's, you know, the age-old fight about how to, uh, you know, where, where, how to, what your stand is on food, you know, that served to idols, the sensibility of the Jewish believers on one end and the uh, Gentiles who are coming from a whole different you know, perspective uh, on the other end. And uh, now we're just talking about, you know, propriety and worship, how to use spiritual gifts, the attitude with which you use spiritual gifts. And Paul has actually said of these believers, your your worship services are doing more harm than good because you're so worldly in your approach to worship. And so he lays out for them in chapter 14, you know, just a, a few concluding rules on how to conduct worship. And then we go into chapter 15 next Monday. So you can hang on in anticipation of next Monday, uh, Paul's wonderful chapter on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So before we uh, read chapter 14, or as Matthew likes to say, before we dig into chapter 14, uh, Matthew, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer? All right, let's pray. Father, we um, again thank you, as we always do, for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us and revealed um, yourself to us, um, both through your son and through your word. And as we read this, um, God, would you edify us, um, encourage us, Help us to see, help us to see Jesus and all of His beauty, and and um, to worship You, God. Thank You for the technology that makes this uh, podcast uh, possible, and and just the joy of knowing that we're reading together and being um, formed into into Your image, God. As we do this, would You um, give us wisdom as we read? Uh, help us to to not only understand, but but to um, to receive, and and whether that be encouragement, conviction, or um, whatever else you have fit for us, um, God, would we receive it in that way? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of, all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then... I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying. I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. 
For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray with the spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you're saying? You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secret of their hearts are laid bare so that they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. They want to inquire about something, and they must ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge uh, that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Immediately, I think the thing we recognize as we read this passage is their worship service is a little bit uh, you know, different uh, you know, than our worship mm. services. Uh, and their worship services in many, you know, many instances uh, resemble what happens in you know some of our community groups and homes, uh, you know where you know someone might uh, you know someone might lead in a song, somebody else might lead in another song, and uh, someone might have a reading from scripture, and uh, someone might you know, expound on the scripture a little bit. But probably the primary characteristic of you know worship in the early church or the Corinthian early church is uh, how everything is empowered. You know, by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and many of the manifestations of the Spirit are supernatural. You know, in in their in their sense and in in, in in their presence. Mm-hmm. So you have prophesying. You know, rather than you know, in this particular instance, rather than teaching or exposition from Scripture, 
uh, you know, as the canon, you know, is being formed. You have speaking in tongues, which, you know, Paul is a little bit uh, ambivalent about. He said, you know, it does serve a purpose. He says it's uh, for, it's kind of interesting, he said, it's a sign for unbelievers, but unbelievers are going to think you're crazy if you <laughs> if you do it. So it's, it's kind of hard to know exactly yeah. you know, what he's saying so here. So what are some of the things that stand out as we evaluate Corinthian worship and uh, our worship and uh, where the two should meet? I mean, verse 12, it says, so it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Yeah. You know, and there is, I, I, we, we've seen this um, just over the last several several chapters where Paul has already told them, you know, that it's the Spirit uh-huh. who gives the gifts of the, you know, the Spirit. And um, I, it, there's just, I think, a tension there where we do want these certain gifts or, or maybe, you know, it's like, man, I have this gift and... And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll desire to use that gift not for the building up of the church, but for the promotion of ourselves. Right. And, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing in this chaotic scene, where you know you have all these believers there wanting to kind of display, or man, I have a greater gift than this person. And right. He's also, already he's already challenged you know some yeah. of the believers of higher status. I suppose you have to do this to show you have God's approval, and that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to impress each other with how spiritual they are, and of course the showier the manifestation. You know the better, but what it's creating is chaos yeah. in their worship service. And Paul, you know, trims it back. He said, "You know, if some of you do indeed have this gift, you know, a couple of you can speak, maybe three. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, those of you that you know do prophecy." And he begins by saying, "You should really desire that." People speaking for comfort and encouragement in, in Revelation, you know, direct, you know, directly to the congregation. Let them speak in turn. Uh, and do everything in a decent and orderly way. And I think anytime we kind of hear that word prophecy or prophesying, it's a little like, well, what does that mean? Um, but Paul does give us a little bit uh, of a definition of that in uh, verse 3. You know, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. Yeah. So that would be the result of you know prophesying, mm-hmm. which is how it edifies. It edifies by strengthening, encouraging, and and, and, and comforting. Uh, probably what he has in mind here is, you know, supernatural revelation given from God for the edification uh, of the community. Preaching, you know, preaching resembles it in some ways, but preaching is mostly based on you know a text, so mm-hmm. it falls more under a category of teaching than under you know a direct word from God, you know, to the congregation. So all of these, you know, teaching can be spirit-inspired speech, and it can have an element of prophecy. You know, in it as well, but he's really, you know, talking about, uh, you know, a measure that God gave the early church, you know, in the formation before the formation of the canon to instruct people, you know, in the wisdom of God. Matthew, how do how do you look at how do you look at that? Oh, I'm probably. I mean, yeah. we could kind of for for those listening, if you're kind of figure out what we're trying no. to talk about, you know, there's some that say continuationist, the gifts continue, or there's cessationist, the gifts have ceased. I would probably say I'm like a functional sensationist or a cautious continuationist. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's always going to bring words in here that are a little bit too big for the yeah. rest of us. What, what he's meaning is the, these gifts had their place in the early church, where you know they didn't have a New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Corinthian church has the Old Testament, but they probably the only piece of writing they have is probably uh, this this letter yeah and they have just received this letter so their worship you know is functioning apart from a written new testament canon so a lot of the wisdom you know that we have that is new testament is coming to them supernaturally you know from you know from christ yeah 
and of course what Matthew is saying now that we have the New Testament there's le- there is do the uh, supernatural gifts continue y- yeah there, there's less of a need for God to speak directly to the you know to directly through prophets because he has spoken directly through his word yeah yeah and so yeah I would say I'm probably they probably do continue I just think I've seen the abuse of them so much, you know, sure. kind of what we're seeing here. Definitely abused. That I'm that I'm more cautious of well, what the continuation. And of, of course, let's be very clear: Paul is seeing the abuse of this as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the only you know the only time we deal with tongues is because it has become bigger than it should have been, and it has become abusive, and it has gone away from. It's more a private edification than body edification, and yeah. so all of those things are things that he's, you know, calling you know calling it back into. Yeah, I mean, even verse twenty when he has to tell him, stop thinking like children. You know, be like infants in your in your evil, but in your thinking, be adults. That, yeah, be innocent. Yeah, and concerned evil, but don't. And to be innocent and in mm-hmm. what's really taking place. And, and I like and as well when, 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 when Paul's pointing them to this orderly service. He's not just saying, well, it needs to be orderly just because that's kind of my, my preference or what I prefer. But he actually points it back to the heart of God, right, in, in verse 33. You know, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace. And this is in all the congregations of the Lord's people. This isn't just in Corinth, but this, this mm-hmm. is everywhere. Well, he's um, also you know, made two more points. One... Uh, it's in this kind of service that you will be edified. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if somebody yeah. plays an instrument and it's just random notes. <laughs> there's nothing you know. In, in the same way, if you're offering thanksgiving to God, that is a you know, no one can you know agree with you. And and a lot of times you know we bring this you know into our worship where we think what's most important in a worship service is our private experience of God. You know, forget everybody around us. Paul would Paul would say what. What are you talking about? It's not a private experience of God where we forget about everyone around us. It's a public expression together with everyone around us. And so our desire is when we say something for them to be able to say amen. Mm-hmm. And when we teach something for them you know, to be edified and for the whole entire body to be built up. And, and so he, you know, first of all, he goes in the direction we're edified when we have an orderly service. But second of all, he said unbelievers are brought under conviction. Yeah, I, I love this. You know, verse twenty-four, and who doesn't want this to be the result yeah. of their service? And notice he's saying this is happening as a result of prophecy, which he said is a ministry to believers. <laughs> In other words, you know, the preaching of the gospel, which is a minister to believers, becomes something that is a source of conviction. So the same gospel who brings us into relationship with Christ continues to sustain yeah. us in Christ and we never grow beyond the gospel but anyway I don't know why I went on that but verse 24 here's the result you want from every time you gather together but if an unbeliever and inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as a sequence and by judgment of by all he's not saying everybody condemns him everybody's contribution to the service brings a place where God can bring them to conviction brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare God through his spirit begins to minister to them reveal their sin and draw them into repentance so that they fall down and worship God exclaiming mm. this is real yeah. God is really among you 
you know, we should also probably touch on one of the more controversial passages in First Corinthians that we don't have enough time to deal I, with. I thought that fully. was a fantastic way to end, right? On God, is, God is really among you. I agree. Uh, but I, I, I think people are curious. Just you okay, know, sure. What do we do when we come across a passage that that seems maybe so certain or so clear, but yet it's like it doesn't feel right? And I'm thinking of you know, verse 34: Women should remain silent in the churches. You know, what what's Paul actually saying there? And, and just principles for reading your Bible, yeah, you know, like Absolutely. don't read this in isolation. Don't read this no. as if it's Abs- – well, he said it in verse 34, Ab- so yep. this is – yeah. So let's end on the, the God is really in this place. <laughs> now, Matt, is, Matt brings a you know, beautiful point because in a, you know, 11.5, yeah. he said, you know, uh, when a woman prays or prophesies without her head covered, she dishonors her head. Yep. So 11.5 means that women are Speaking. publicly praying and they're publicly prophesying. Mm-hmm. And as David has already said, when they do prophesy, what are they doing? They're encouraging, comforting, and strengthening the church, which is the result of you know prophesying. And, and what he is talking about, you know, here is in one you know, in one particular, you know, let's see what verse again, Matt. Thirty four. Is one particular instance. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak. Must but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire that's, about yeah, something, in other words, after the service, there would be, you know, a time, you know, where there was a kind of a question and answer, and the women are not to participate in this in such a way that dishonors mm-hmm. their husbands. Yeah. So women were using this, you know, and that's what he's back in eleven. Do not dishonor yeah. your head, and the head of every woman is the husband, yeah. or, or or the man, and, and so they're using this in a way to demean and to belittle. And Paul says it'd be better for that part of your worship service mm-hmm. to be taken yeah. home rather than done in And public. that's where context is so important because it's yep. coming in the context of good order and worship. You know, this is what an orderly worship service that right. both glorifies God, you know, in- encourages or edifies us and brings unbelievers into conviction. You know, one of the disorderly things about you is this disruption yeah. that's happening. No doubt. You know, whatever, you know, whatever remains silent and they are not able, allowed to speak and does not preclude them under proper authority prophesying and praying in the church and and prophesying being speaking for the encouragement the comfort uh, and uh, mutual edification of the church which you know which we do in our, our worship service you know Katie will often do this from front uh, you know she'll speak words of encouragement and of comfort and of strength and obviously yeah. she'll pray and uh, we we do not uh, you know we do not have her her head head covered. We yeah. tried several times, but uh, she won't allow it. So anyway, and there's obviously a lot more to, and you know, we could talk about with this yeah, and other absolutely. passages. But. So um, so a good. Uh, but <laughs> let's end on the note. God really is among you. He is. Now that, that we we've, we've done that, absolutely. and that's exactly what we want to happen. Heavenly Father, thank you for, that you are a God of order and of peace, and uh, we pray that this would be the case in our services that we would not uh, exhibit our gifts to edify ourselves or to impress others, but in the way that others are genuinely built up, convicted of sin, and fall down on their face before you and declare, God really is among us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.